I want to officially welcome you to the Christmas season. Boney has been singing since October and checkers, but now it's officially the start of Christmas. Everyone already excited for Christmas? Come on. I'm welcoming you. Lovely to see you in a full room here, those online. Uh, again, my name is Gabe Phillips. I'm married to an amazing lady called Fiona. We've got two wonderful little kitties, Olivia and Benji. But I also get to be one of the pastors here at what I believe, what we believe, the greatest church in the world. Anyone else agree with me? The greatest church in the world. Yeah, I'm like but for the next few minutes, I'll be brief, and that alone will be a Christmas miracle. But um, I will be brief, but I want to take us to where every Christmas narrative must start. Armenia, 1989. Yep, that's right. Eastern Europe, people, we're going there. But what happened in 1989 was uh, an event in Armenia that uh, took the world's uh, attention and grabbed the nation uh, by the very guts as an earthquake ripped through that nation. It was an earthquake that was uh, someone that had not seen, a size which they hadn't seen before or they haven't seen since. It was an earthquake that flattened buildings, flattened businesses, homes, flattened livelihoods, uh, killing thousands upon thousands of people in its, uh, in its wake. But amidst the rubble, amidst the destruction, the chaos, there was a personal story that seemed to come up through the rubble and, and grab the world's attention at this time. It was a story of a father and a son and their relationship. Because the father, at the beginning of that day, walked his son to school as he did every day. He got to his school and he uh, hugged his kid goodbye and said, boy, I'll meet you back here at the end of the day. And as he turned and walked a couple blocks away, he started to feel the tremors of what he knew to be an earthquake. Bricks started to fall and buildings started to shake and roads started to come be upturned and he knew so he had to just get back to his son. So he turned and he ran as fast as he could to, to go back to where he remembered the school to be. But as he arrived there, he found not a school uh, brick building, but just bricks and stones and rubble all on the floor as the, the building and the school had been demolished by the wake of this earthquake. And he started to panic and he, an emergency vehicles were flying in left and right. There was, there was high pitched screaming and wailing as people were trying to navigate the disaster zone. But this dad had only one thing in mind, he had to get to his son. And he stood on top of the rubble heap and he started to move bricks where he would imagine where his boy's classroom would have been. And he started to move them and people at first would, were helping him and there was a, a huge concerted effort as uh, police chiefs and fire chiefs came in and, and entered the fray. But after hour upon hour, as the city was trying to navigate its bearings, people started to move away from this disaster zone. And people started trying to dissuade the father from his past, saying, listen, it's hopeless. There's definitely no survivors underneath this rubble. And as he kept on digging, his father would not be put off from the naysayers. He kept on digging. He kept on digging. An hour went by, next hour, another hour, another hour, till uh, reports tell us that he dug for 38 hours straight. 38 hours, summoning strength that only a uh, mother or father in desperation can find. And uh, as he was doing this but with blood and cuts and, and with calluses on his hands, as the hour of 38 ticked over to the 39th hour, he finally, amidst the most, uh, he was so exhausted, he pulled the last brick off. And he saw a little pocket of air emerge. And through that, as the light started to enter in, he heard some voices and he peered in. And he saw 13 little eyes and a little cavity staring back at him. 13 pairs of eyes, 13 boys have been trapped in a small pocket of air. And he was going to say, my boy, my boy, is that you? And amidst the celebrations and the, the cries for help, there came the voice of his son who said, dad, dad, is me. And then the boy turned to his friends and said, and the line that grabbed the world's attention, he said, I told you my dad would come. I told you my dad would come. And I want to tell you, I don't know what your year 2023 has been. Maybe you have been buried under the rubble of a failed business. Buried under the rubble of a broken relationship, your emotions are tattered, your, your future, your vision, your ideas, your dreams, your hopes, I all feel like there's been chaos, a destruction, a 
disaster to left and right. Maybe you're here and you put on a smile, you put on a fancy shirt, it's Christmas, and you're looking forward to that time of year, the mistletoe and wine, and putting on a fake smile. But underneath the veneer, your, your, your heart and your emotions and your spirituality is a disaster zone. Just a rebel trying to make sense of your life. I'm here to tell you that Christmas declares the Father is coming. I told you the Father will come. The Father is coming, and religion will say it in this tone. The Father is coming with a finger outstretched to get you. But I want to tell you, it's not a Father who's coming with a finger to jab in your chest and say, where have you been? No, it's a Father who's coming to save, to rescue, to redeem. I told you my Father will come. The nation of Israel had been in a state of perpetual, uh, seemingly perpetual abandonment. For 400 years, between the Old and what we now know as the New Testament, there had been silence from God. It felt like they were living in the, the rubble of their hopes and dreams. They'd been passed from one con conquering a, a country to another. Empire after empire came and conquered them. Egypt, Babylon, now this new oppressors, Rome. And the, the Israelite nation of being squashed and being segmented to a very small space. And there was no scripture, there was no prophecy. You prophesied, it felt like, like the, the heavens had gone silent. They were trying to make sense of the rubble of their world. And it's into that prayer that the four gospel writers step in. And they tell us about this Christmas narrative. And they, they, put, they push past, they dig a little deeper past the romanticized, fictionalized, glamorized Christmas narrative that we've come to know. But actually, when we look at the author Mark, he doesn't start his Christmas narrative with the nativity scene. Or, or, or jingle bells, jingle bells, or mistletoe and Christmas trees. No, he digs a little deeper. And the gospel writer Mark starts in a place where we wouldn't start either. His equivalent of Armenia in 1989, he starts with the, the prophet Isaiah, quoting a prophecy from many years ago, saying there will be a Messiah who comes and there will be one who will be sent before him to prepare the way of the Lord. And what Mark is doing is he's reminding a people who have forgotten what the voice of the Lord sounds like. They've been so buried underneath the rubble of their lives and the chaos and their religiosity, and they cannot hear the voice of the Father. He's reminding the people there who are reading this that the prophecies still remain. God has not forgotten what he has spoken. He's saying, in a sense, he's saying, I told you my father would come. I told you my, my father would come. Though it might feel long, yes, he's, he's not a man that he should lie. He's saying that God's word never, never, never returns void. Yeah. It always accomplishes what it was sent out for. And I want to tell you today that my father will come. My father will come. No matter how deep your situation, his word remains true. And he's faithful to his word. My father will come for you. We've got to dig a little deeper. Because the gospel writer Matthew says, Cool, Mark, I see your Isaiah, but I want to raise you and take you to a place where you wouldn't even thought the Christmas narrative would go. We want to dig a little deeper. Matthew starts his narrative with a genealogy, taking the line of Jesus and running it all the way back to the patriarch Abraham. And what he is doing is he's reminding a Jewish audience that though they feel they've been so abandoned by God, it feels like he's a million miles away underneath the rubble of their lives. He's digging a little deeper. And he's finding and reminding us that he's taking us back to the one called the father of promise, Abraham. Jesus, the Messiah, from the line of Abraham. And reminding us that this father, Abraham, who was, though he was dead, though he was so old, as almost considered dead and far gone, that God was a God who kept his promises to him, giving him a child. And a nation was birthed from this promise. And in this junction, the, the writer Matthew is reminding his people, reminding the readers, that though you think the promise has been forgotten, God is, not, is a God who never forgets his promises. There was a story recently of um, a girl who had been proposed to, and uh, the wedding was all prepped, plans were laid out, and a month before the wedding, the husband got cold feet and came and said, I want to call it off, I want the ring back. Such devastation, not just about a date and event, 
but this promise broken that was destroying her future, her dreams, the years to come. And we live in a world of perpetual disappointment. But the scriptures tell us that the cure for disappointment is the promises of God. The Proverbs say, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I want to remind you, maybe it takes a reading to come into your Christmas mess right now to tell you, He is the God who will stay true to His promises. My Father is coming. My Father is coming. And if you're saying that you feel that you're too far gone, you feel that it's too too deep, that it's too late, I want to tell you, keep digging. Keep digging a little. Keep digging a little deeper. Then the writer Luke comes and he says, Mark, I see you, Isaiah. Abraham, I see you, Abraham, but I want to take this a little deeper. And he starts to dig a little deeper. And Luke, does his iteration of Jesus' genealogy, he doesn't stop at Abraham. He keeps going until he reaches a man named Adam. The first man. The, the, the father Adam. The man of the creation story begins with this reality. And he says, Jesus, who was from the line of Adam, who was the son of God. Yeah, I love this reality. Luke is rewinding and saying, yes, the prophecies are great. Yes, the promises but I also want to remind you about your purpose. Maybe under the rubble of this year or your marriage or your failure or your secret sin and shame, you're trying to navigate, who am I still? I've given myself over to so many destructive patterns and my health situation, I've forgotten what I'm actually here for. And it's just hanging on by a thread. And you say, it's my life even poor. You've got a point. I want to tell you, Luke is reminding us that actually in the very beginning, yes, there was a man in Adam who sinned, and yes, he should be known by his sin, but Adam, Luke rewrites that narrative and says, Adam, the son of God, he's not known by his sin, but known by his purpose. I want to keep reminding us that the thing that means to bury you, I believe this Christmas can be the start of your resurrection story. I want to tell us, even those in the balcony today, that the thing that was meant to drown you will be the source of your deliverance. If you choose to believe in God, he says, we're going to dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. The Apostle John says, I love this, guys. I love what you've got going here. Mark, I love you, Isaiah. Matthew, I love you, Abraham. Luke, I love you, Adam. But John says, we're going to dig a little deeper. And John starts his Christmas story in the most remarkable place. He says this, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on to climax by saying, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He starts in the only place he knows how. He says this whole thing, this whole rubble and this brokenness of this world only makes sense if you keep digging and digging and digging until you get to Jesus. The prophecies are great. The promises are great. Yes, the purpose is wonderful. But if you have any of those but miss the person of Christ, you have nothing. I want to remind us that religion will say keep digging until you find yourself. Dig a little bit with harder promises. I'll try harder next year. No, you'll just disappoint yourself again. Keep digging until you find him. Until you have nothing left except Him. Because I want to remind us today that Jesus is everything. Jesus in the manger is just scratching the surface. Because Jesus, I want to tell you this Christmas, He is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is the centerpiece of all history. Jesus is the mystery man of the Old Testament. Jesus is the hero man of the New Testament. Jesus is the glory man of Revelation. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the root of Jesse. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And let me tell you, in a hundred years' time, when we're digging through the rubble of history and our society that was 2023, the names Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Jacob Zuma, Cyril Ramaphosa, COVID-19, ESCOM, Lochile, what, 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 all of those will just be a footnote in a textbook. They'll just be a link on Wikipedia. They'll just be a dusty page at the back of a classroom. But the name of Jesus will still be the name that holds all power, 
Redeem us, restore our sons, till we see you, and we dig a little deeper, until we find 